You're listening to Matt Walsh on demand. So I am not one to panic over North Korea. I, I'm seriously uncomfortable with the fact that so many of our citizens can be driven to a panic because of threats from some third world tin pot dictator. Um, that said, I recognize that this particular third world tin pot dictator now has nuclear capabilities that he didn't have the first 97 times that he threatened to nuke us. So that is a, that's, a, that's a factor. That's something that we have to keep in mind. I don't think he could... And look, I don't pretend to be an expert on this. And, and like with most issues, um, although it's complex and it deals with many different things that, that the average person doesn't know much about, um, such as the particulars of North Korea's nuclear arsenal and what exactly they can do with it, so I'm not, I know that right now, um, because this is in the news and you go on Twitter, you're going to find that 97% of Twitter, they're all nuclear experts now. It's, 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 a, it's a fascinating thing that happens. I don't know. How, every time there's something in the news, I go on Twitter and everyone's an expert on that thing. And I don't know what, is it like the matrix where you could just plug in, you download the information into your skull and then you're an expert on it? Because that would be great. I've, I've been waiting for the day that they can innovate that technology. But anyway, I'm not an expert. Um, however, just does, it doesn't seem to me that he could hit our country or any of our territories before the missile was inter- intercepted and Pyongyang was turned to dust. But even a failed attempt could set in motion World War III. Um, world wars have been tipped off by lesser things than that. After all, the West didn't take Hitler very seriously for a long time. And I think part of the reason they didn't take him seriously is because they didn't think he could actually do all the things he said he wanted to do. But he was always very clear about what he wanted to do. You read Mein Kampf, um, and he's, he's got it all kind of laid out, what he wants to do. But people said, well, he can't do that. He's not going to be able to conquer Europe and create this, uh, this kind of racial hegemony where you know the, the the one true race rises above all others it's just it's it can't happen and in the end they were right that he he couldn't do it although he came closer than i think anyone thought he would but the main point is that he shed a lot of blood and he uh he he brought upon uh, quite a bit of destruction trying to do it and he started world war ii so you have to so when you think about all that, it makes you even more uncomfortable. And then you add to that the stress of, uh, of uh, this, the chaos that's going on at home. Many people seem to think that we're on the brink of another civil war. Could we have a civil war and a world war at the same time? I doubt it. But it's not the craziest thing to think about. It's not the craziest thing to worry about. We are certainly divided as a people. I'd say we're even more divided now than we were during the run-up to, this, to the, first civil, the first civil war. At least back then, the two sides had, there were obviously some very important differences. Some very, leaving aside even any of the issues, um, 
even issues like states' rights, slavery, taxes, any of that. What there was most of all is a cultural difference between the um, kind of rural South and the more industrial North. Um, but even with that, <clears throat> the two sides had some very fundamental things in common. They believed in God. They loved their families. They loved their countries, although they differed on what their country actually constituted. Someone from the South would have considered his country to be his, his state. And that's how it always was. The people in Virginia, they said, well, they, they considered their country to be Virginia. And it's been like that ever since Virginia has had uh, European settlers. And they valued virtue. They valued valor. And they wanted the same things, really, but they had different ideas about how to obtain them. These days, you can't get a consensus on, on anything. Certainly not on any of the things I just listed. Forget about living in two separate countries. We're living in two separate universes. And, and, and because even as there were men meeting on the battlefield in 1862, visiting horrific violence upon one another, there still existed a mutual respect, a sense of honor. I'm not trying to romanticize it. I realized that there was hatred, certainly. And the bloodshed during the Civil War, we can't even conceive of it. We, we, we've never seen that kind of bloodshed. We've never seen anything like it. We've never seen a war like the Civil War. You know, 600,000 people killed. Um, but there was still a sense of honor. And so you hear these famous stories about, you hear these famous stories about, uh, about uh, sometimes there would be these kind of cease, there'd be ceasefires between the sides. And you hear these stories about um, on Christmas, there, there would be a ceasefire and the, the, sometimes even the two sides would meet in the middle and exchange you know, tobacco or, food or whatever have a cigarette and then we know about when general lee surrendered to uh to general grant at appomattox and how there was this just total respect between the two we have no respect for one another anymore we 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 um, have no honor we laugh at the very concept of honor we laugh at everything that is good and decent we laugh at each other we hate each other we hate each other with, it's not the same kind of hate. of the, It's not a civil war kind of hate. The kind of hate that you have um, when two brothers are fighting against each other. A hate that is, in a weird way, born from love. A hate that is kind of love um, turned on its side. So maybe what we have now is not hate at all. It's more indifference. Will this environment give way to war? Probably not. But only because we're too lazy for that. We, we, have, we, have no, we have no moral qualms about shooting each other. It's just that we'd rather watch Netflix and pretend our country isn't collapsing around us. In lieu of physical violence, we sit behind our computer screens and, and we snipe at each other. We don't have the courage. We don't have the courage to shoot at each other. As, as awful as that sounds. We don't have the courage to do it. I'm not advocating that anyone go out and commit a mass shooting. I'm just saying 
there was a certain courage in the Civil War where the two sides said, I believe in this and I will fight and die for it. Whatever it is we believe in now and whatever these things are that define the two sides, there are very few people saying, I will fight and die for this. So we remain divided and the chasm between us only deepens by the day as we become more and more indifferent. Meanwhile, our culture decays. I don't think I need to provide a recap on that front. The institution of the family is falling apart. Our children are murdered in abortion clinics, exploited by sexual deviants. Uh, practically as soon as they emerge from the womb, if they are so lucky to emerge at all. Many Americans have descended into full-blown, full-blown madness. They run around insisting that men are getting pregnant, women are growing penises. We sit around watching TV, playing on the internet for 10 hours a day, unwilling to turn the screens off for long enough to share a meal with our families. Our kids are addicted to porn by the age of 10, and so on and so on and so on. And I look at all these factors together, and I get the same feeling that almost everyone else gets, that something bad is going to happen. And what makes this feeling even more intense and catastrophe seem even more inevitable is that we're not turning to God to save us. And so he won't. It may sound like a awful thing, and it is, but I worry about catastrophe because we deserve catastrophe. It's like we were warned by our founding fathers so many times. If you do not tend to the fire of liberty, it will go out. And you will have tyranny. And we haven't been tending to it. So if we end up with tyranny, we deserve it. That's the, that's the implication. That's what our founding fathers said. They would look at us and say, you deserve this. this is, you brought this on yourself. Don't cry about it. Don't look to blame anyone else. We're self-absorbed, shallow, nihilistic. We have been begging for God's judgment for quite some time. Perhaps we will have it. Well, I know we'll have it eventually. America survived two wars with Britain within the first few decades of its existence. Survived the Civil War the Depression, two world wars, the Cold War, on the brink of nuclear annihilation. But it only did so with the blessings of God. And I don't think it was a coincidence that we were a religious people in those times. We cried out to God to deliver us, to heal us. And he did because he knew that we had so much to give to the world. God was there. We cried out and he answered um, the movie, uh, the movie Dunkirk. I, I, I saw that a few weeks ago. Great movie, really great movie. I really recommend that you uh, that you go see it. And if you have teenagers, bring them, bring them to see it too. It's a good family movie if you have older kids. Actually, probably the most family friendly war movie ever made. Uh, and uh, and I say that, and that doesn't mean that it's not intense. It is very intense. It's also one of the most intense. So it's a it's a strange kind of uh, juxtaposition there. But. Um, so the movie uh, Dunkirk, and it's a great, great film, but it leaves out, just talking about God, people crying out to God and God delivering them, it leaves out, because it's a Hollywood film and you know it's not perfect, none of them are, it leaves out a really, 
important detail in that story. That while all these Allied troops were stranded on the beach and Hitler could have at any moment moved in and annihilated them and Britain had to uh, rally all of these citizen all of these citizen sailors to, to get in their boats, their private boats, and go uh, into a war zone and extract these, these men. And, uh, and they did. But what the movie leaves out is that there was a day of prayer called throughout all of Britain. And people were lifting up the cause in prayer. And there were things going on. You know, there, were, there were just strange anomalies on the, on the, on the sea. Uh, there were th- things happening with the weather that made it difficult for the, um, for the German pilots to you know, see their targets and drop bombs and everything. There were just things happening. <clears throat> Not to mention the very fact, the, uh, the mysterious fact that... <clears throat> Not to mention just the mysterious fact that Hitler never did move in and he could have. So this was God delivering the West from destruction very clearly. And why did he do it? Well, I would never assume to declare the intentions of God, but I think we could stand to reason. We know a couple of things. Number one, uh, you know, knock and it will be open. P- people knocked. They, they prayed and, he, and they knocked and he opened the door. So we know that. And also, uh, he, he, I, I think it was clear that, the, that, that the, the West at that time had, as I said, so much more to give to the world. It was needed. The world needed the West as it was. God was not going to allow a freedom-loving, God-fearing, devout people to perish from the face of the earth. So we came to him in prayer, and he answered. But today we don't come to him. We deny him. And what are we giving to the world that God would bother saving us, that we may keep on giving it? What do we export into the rest of the world? We export abortions and Superhero films? What are we giving? What function do we serve? Are we the moral beacon on a hill that we once were? Would anyone claim that? That you can look at our culture, that, 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 that other countries can look at our culture and say, well, that is something to aspire to. That is what we should be. Can anyone claim that? No. 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 We, we can't even keep our marriages together. We can't refrain from killing our own children. We can't stop ourselves from doing anything. We have no restraint, no moral courage. We can't even bother to go to church anymore or do anything. And well, we're, we're the example God's going to say, "Oh, we got to keep the, we got to keep this around. We got to keep that we get with, with with their with their billion dollar abortion industry, their billion dollar porn industry, their their uh, their divorces and their we got their people that don't even know what men and women are anymore. We gotta, yeah, we got to keep that around. We 
I, I just, I don't feel confident in that. Maybe God will say that. I don't know. I can't, I don't, I, I can't say what God will do or not, but I, but I can't just from the naked eye, you know, when I'm looking at our culture, I can't see why it's needed. Remember the verse in James, it was written for us. You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask wrongly, that you may spend it on your passions. That's us. What is the answer then? What is the answer? Well, our only hope, I believe, is a spiritual reawakening on a massive scale, is a turning back to God, is a national turning back to God. And you don't have to tell me that, oh, well, I'm already turned to God. Well, if you are, good, great for you. Now, if you think that, well, I turned to God 20 years ago, and so I'm good. If you don't understand that the turning to God is something that we have to do every single day, and for you, it's not an active, affirmative thing that you're doing every day, then you are not turned to God at all. You've had your back turned to him and you didn't even, didn't even know it. But uh, yeah, there are good Christians in this country. I wouldn't presume to count myself among them, but I see them. I know some of them. Uh, I know they exist. But I think there are many more who are just not. And so what's our hope? Our hope is a, is, a, is, a, is a national, it's not good enough. You know, to justify the existence of a culture, it's not good enough to say, well, you know, there are a few of us who are still doing the right thing. That's not, that's not enough. Because the people doing the right thing are doing it in spite of the culture, not through the culture. So we, there has to be a, a collective turning to God I feel I guess to me just some of this feels biblical it feels like a biblical judgment that awaits us that's what it feels like to me and don't say oh it's not the Old Testament God doesn't do that anymore really God doesn't judge anymore God doesn't allow civilizations to die of course he does. It's happened many times since, uh, since Christ ascended. Civilizations have come and gone, some quicker than others. So yes, God, through his wisdom, will, will impose his judgment by allowing a society to kill itself or to be killed because it lost the will to live. We know that's the case. The question is, will we be in that group? The only chance we have, and I, you know, even if we do, we, we, again, we don't know what God will do. So even if, we, even if there was some miraculous uh, transformation and tomorrow we're all on our knees praying to God. He may still say, I, I hear your prayers, but the time has come. 
But if we don't do that, we don't even pray, we're not on our knees, we're not a God-fearing people, what hope is there? Well, that is our hope. Spiritual reawakening. Reawakening. Is it, um, is it a realistic hope? I, I don't think so. I mean, I, I, is there any precedent for it? Is there any precedent for it in, in history? That you would have a society that appears to be dying, that has given up, and then just kind of all of a sudden it just, it just, it just surges forward again and, and it, it's like the phoenix from the ashes? It, it doesn't really happen. Doesn't mean it's impossible. So that is our, that's what we hope for and pray for. That's what we should be looking towards. And anytime we're talking about what's, how do we fix our problems? What do we do? How do we stave off this, this, uh, this calamity that we all feel is, is, is upon us? Our answer always has to be God. We turn back to God. We get on our knees. We pray. We live as Christians. That's our answer. And if it doesn't happen, which, as I say, it, uh, there's no indication that it will at all, but God can work miracles. So if it happens, then praise God. If it doesn't, if it doesn't, then, then, that's, then so be it. Then, then we reap what we sow. And, and that's all. And unfortunately, our children will reap it too, and they don't deserve it. That's the one thing that gives me a little bit of hope. I think, well, maybe God, he looks at our culture, he sees how debased it is, how disgusting, how worthless it is. But maybe he'll look at our children and he'll say, well, but, but for their sake, I won't destroy you. But then I realize we destroy our children. So maybe he'll say, for their sake, I will destroy you. Our, our, our children aren't benefiting from the continuance of our culture as it is now. So I don't know. I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I wish I had something more positive to say. Everybody always, they want something positive. Be positive. Be positive, Matt. Where's the positivity? What do you mean, where's the positive? Look around you. What do you want me to tell you? You want me to, 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 to tell you a nice story about a, find a little human interest story. We talk about a guy that saved a puppy from a tree. Well, that's great. You know, there are guys saving puppies from trees. That, that, that's fantastic. And I, I do talk about that stuff sometimes, but that, that doesn't change the reality of the environment we're in. And we can't turn our backs from it and just live in ignorance and then every once in a while poke our heads up again and, and, and demand that people be positive to us. Tell us something fun and nice. There's a lot of not fun, not nice things happening. And I get it that you're never going to be popular for saying so. Nobody ever is. As civilizations have collapsed, there have always been people who have been saying, it's collapsing. Look, look what's happening. Look, you, you idiots, look. You idiots, look at what's happening around you. And there have always been people saying that, and the people have always responded by saying, well, how, why are you insulting? Hey, just chill out. Stop insulting us. 
Jeez, you said, jeez, calm down. Take a chill pill, dude. And then the idiots are buried under the rubble. As they deserve to be. So. There you go. Pray to God. That's all I can say. Pray to God. Pray, pray, pray. And pray some more. That's all for me. Talk to you guys next time. Acruce salus. By the way, I always sign off with that phrase. People ask me what it means. It's Latin. It means from the cross comes salvation. Or salvation from the cross. Either way, but. I only explain that now because I think it summarizes what I'm talking about here. I'll talk to you guys next time. Godspeed. Godspeed.